Alrighty, folks. Welcome to the Bring the Juice podcast. I am your host, Frank Delano. Today on the pod, we have Ryan Beecher. Beecher, welcome to the pod. So excited to be here. Early days of the pod. Let's bring the juice, baby. Oh my God. The electricity in my parents' basement is through the roof. We are sipping. We're classy today. I was going to bring out some E&J. Instead, I accidentally pulled the Remy Martin 1738. It is chilled. It's on ice. So I'm excited. We're feeling nice and warm and fuzzy inside, especially on this hot Fresno day. I think it touched 110 today. It happens. What are you going to do? That's, you know, it's what you get with Fresno. Yeah. I made the mistake of in between work and coming to record this podcast, trying to walk nine holes of golf and, you know, it was toasty, but us Fresno boys, you know, we pushed through. So. It was one of those like milk was a bad choice situation. A hundred percent. Walking with my golf bag was a bad choice. So. Hey, cardio though, baby. You know, you live and you learn. Ryan Beecher, we have a local Fresno legend on the pod our first guest that didn't play football at Fresno State. So that's a breakthrough. Um, Fresno guy through and through. Old Fig Faithful. For those of you who don't know the Old Fig Garden neighborhood, it is a very strong community. Went to San Joaquin Memorial, one of my best friends, and then led you into Stanford, which was kind of a legacy thing for you. Absolutely awesome. Um, why don't we start there from just that transition from when you found out you're playing football at Stanny to, Hey, I'm walking on. I'm, I got first day of fall camp coming up. Yeah. Well, first off, let me start off by saying honored to be one of the, the first guests on the podcast. I've had the privilege and honor of being an early listener of the early episodes and, you know, having a little insider information to who's who a few of the first guests are going to be and honored, honored, to be part of their, um, you know, in the same category, the same class <laughs> as these in individuals, and especially to break out of the Fresno State Brotherhood with someone the likes of me is just a huge honor. But yeah, we can we can jump into it. So, like Frank said, um, from Fresno, originally grew up here. Cannot say I was born and raised. Moved to Fresno when I was about four years old. Grew up with Frankie Delena, pretty much attached at the hip starting in kindergarten through 12th grade. And yeah, we both kind of came up together. Started off at Sam Walking Memorial under head coach Anthony Gosen when we both had a bunch of fun, both multi-sport athletes, um, me it. being basketball and football, you playing just about every other possible sport and football, soccer, and a little bit of baseball, track and field. What else do you do? Did yeah, I, that cover it. the list? Okay. It's long. Um, and yeah, you know, similar to you was lucky enough and, you know, skilled enough on the football field to be able to attract a little bit of attention from the Stanford football staff throughout high school. Um, a big part of that was going out a couple of summers, I think after my sophomore season and after my junior season, going in person um, to the Stanford football camp, which, you know, not only is it a great overnight camp, a lot of good coaches, a lot of coaches from the NASDAQ Ivy League are there, but also a cool camp in the sense that it's full contact, you know. A rarity in those type of camps. It ain't no seven on seven bullshit. It's put your hand in the ground and hit somebody. Yeah, exactly. Which is how you play. That's how you like it. Exactly. I mean, football is not really football until it's football. And anyone who's played football will know that, you know, shout out to using football three times in a <laughs> sentence, but that's who we are. 
Yeah. So it was a camp that fit my skill set a little bit more than, you know, typical camps. You know, I, I always handled the physical aspect of the game inside linebacker. Grown ass man. Um, yeah. Big man. Um, <laughs> better than other areas of the game. So it, it fit my skill set well, got to attract a little bit of attention. You know, I, I definitely had the grades and kind of um, extracurriculars to back up um, the GPA and test scores I got and ended up, you know, getting a little bit of help. I sent in my, you know, application, all of that stuff to Stanford a little bit early. Right. Under the premise, like to the, through the football team saying, Hey, if this kid got admitted, he'd be an awesome walk on a have and an, an asset. Don't lowball it. An asset to the football team. Good, you know, good grades, good student. And, you know, good a well-rounded guy that you want to do good enough at football to, you know, make the next Hustle step from high school on. onward. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And in that decision, you know, I didn't get a ton of um, D1 offers. You know, once I kind of felt the interest from Stanford, you know, I went to a few Ivy League schools. None of them showed that much interest in, in me. Right. Um, as they had previously early on in the recruiting process. So one kind of like point of wisdom I will get to anyone is like, the recruiting process is such a show these days. So don't put too much weight into any one conversation or any right. one letter that you get. Or even a, a, a Twitter DM these days or, hey, yeah, come to our camp. Anything. It can be, yeah, it could definitely yeah. be anything, but never put too much weight into anything of that. But, you know, that was kind of my recruiting story. Didn't get a lot of love from any of the schools I visited. Um probably had the option if I extended the, you know, willingness to walk on other places to go other places. But kind of once Stanford came in the door, I realized, you know, I, I want to go to Stanford. My mom went there, my aunt, my uncle, my sister. Legacy. Legacy ties there to Stanford and really wanted to be a part of it. Um, and, you know, I want to play football at a high level. So once, you know, a Pac-12 school came knocking, I was, I was very excited and, you know, didn't really look... Didn't really look back and had too many options once that A Pac-12 school that was winning football games at the time. Mm -hmm. The, would you call it prime, but the early years of Christian McCaffrey. Yes. And a, a situation where, um, you know, you you definitely, you were aiming high. And it, I mean, I'll pivot off that story with Beecher. Like I said, we've been, you know, damn near best friends our entire lives. And we... One thing kind of cool about us, like he said, we had a lot of similarities. We went through the ringer together. We both were kind of in a situation where we were good high school athletes and didn't really know. We didn't quite fit the exact uh, five-star recruit mold for playing football. Mm -hmm. Me as a wide receiver, Beecher as a linebacker, but we had some grit and we knew how to win. And that eventually, and I, I, we, we went on a similar camp circuit to our preferred schools, but we both originally walked on and, you know, we were kind of in a situation, it's our senior year where we don't really know where we're going to go to college. Cause man, I still want to play football, but I also don't want to bank on that at this point. I, I, we both, you know, Beecher got, I mean, shit, I went to Fresno state, which is the Harvard of the central Valley, but Beecher best farming was, school in the country. Best farming school in the country. Go Bulldogs. Bulldogs. Huge fan. Huge fan. But they, uh, Beecher, like you said, he was, I mean, he was valedictorian and he's, he's, he's running shit. He, he did it. He checked every single box possible to try to get in every single school possible, which I admired like hell because 
I try to get good grades, but I wasn't in those AP classes. I wasn't, there were situations where he was grinding for a test that I was, you know, looking over uh, the lunch before type situations. And, you know, especially as a, a guy where it's hard to get into colleges and we've seen people who don't get into certain colleges, whatever that might be. Football for sure helped you. I mean, do you think football helped you get into Stanford? Yeah, I think, you know, it's it's one of those things where no one really knows. Um, it doesn't matter. Yeah, you don't really know. I will say football definitely helped. Um, the defensive coordinator had a couple phone calls with me. You know, whatever sort of pool he has for preferred walk-ons, which is the terminology uh, tossed around now. Um, you know, how much pool that really was, I, I do not know, but... As Frankie said, I, I really put a lot of effort into checking as many boxes as I possibly could on yeah. the field and off the field. Um, you know, you really don't know what's that differentiator for yourself. Um, I Personally, I believe that once you kind of hit a certain threshold of grades, academics, and, you know, non-school curricular, extracurricular activities that factor into the equation, you know, there's kind of a threshold. And once you pass that threshold, it's almost more of a lottery um, once you kind of clear that. So however many boxes you can check was kind of my mentality. You know, I was a legacy student that does help um, at a lot of schools. I know it definitely does help at Stanford. So I had a lot of things working in my favor and, you know, was one of the lucky few picked. That's awesome. So you're walking. Okay. So we've got the walk on spots. We're rolling in. Fall camp starting up. Mm-hmm. How I know for Fresno State, I've I've talked about on previous pods about like the culture shock and just I, I think it, there's there's no way somebody doesn't go through that. I don't care if you're a the most prime shaped five star recruit coming out of high school. You just you go from being in a high school locker room to you're around a bunch of grown ass men that we've I mean we've been watching on ESPN. We, we're playing Friday nights, waking up Saturday morning. We're in the area where Johnny Manziel is the dude still. And you just want to, you all, that's all you want to be a part of at that point. How did that kind of like punch you in the face rolling into that first year? Yeah. You know, it's, it's definitely one of those moments where it's kind of a a shock to the system. And we had a saying on the football team, you know, I'm going to drop a lot of Fresno little, I mean, football, little, you know, snippets of wisdom I've stolen over the years, but change is hard. And especially when you go from kind of being, you know, both of us being the captain, you know, seniors at the high school, top dogs on campus, whatever you're the you want to call. You go from you know, the man. You're the oldest group. You know, we had awesome friends. We went to a small high school, so you knew everybody. It was like, you know, you you were just kind of used to it. And then you show up to school, and like you said, it's it's not only are you joining this group of men, but you're joining this group of people from a position. And you don't, I don't want to say second class, but you know, coming in as a walk on, you have that kind of extra weight it's or a chip. it's a chip on the shoulder and that extra kind of like voice in the back of your mind. That's telling you, you got, you got to do a little bit more. You know, you definitely, every freshman has to earn his stripes, but the walk on's a little bit more. Um, and you just kind of come in with a mentality of, um, ready, but not prepared. Um, if that makes sense or you know the mission, like, but yeah, you don't you, know the journey almost. You don't know what you're getting yourself. You have to into. win the war, but you don't know what the battle's gonna and, be. And you know, that proves true for every college freshman because I mean if if camp is hard like it should be, as it was at Stanford, especially in my early years before Pac twelve NCAA got soft. Um yeah, they are camp s- was 
camp was double a, days. It was a it was a gut check and a half. Well, it's it's. A, I don't think I remember the first time in a double day where a true double day, not some high school double day, a true double day mm-hmm. where it's so hot. And I'm no, I don't care if it's Palo Alto, it gets hot up there too. Oh yeah, it was where, record heats. My freshman year in Palo Alto, it felt like Fresno. Right. So two weeks of over a hundred degrees, unseen in Palo Alto, but. <laughs> you know, typical in Fresno when you get, when you have to put your football pads on again, or even your cleats on and they're still soaking wet from the practice you had seven hours ago that same day, there's just a little, like, like you, you, you want to, I don't want to say you want to throw up almost like, you're just like, Holy shit that I, I have to go through this again. What the hell type situation? Yeah, no, it's, it, it's a different breed and you know, it's, you mentioned this on one of the earlier episodes of George. You don't really, you're not really prepared for the type of time commitment and just the physical demand that a camp has on you. So it's just something you kind of have to walk in ready, roll with the punches, ready for anything, and definitely roll with some punches, both physically and mentally. No, you gotta stay ready so you don't gotta get ready. Okay, so you go through your first camp, red shirt, all the good stuff. You're making the team. Some I know some guys they trickle off. Some guys it doesn't happen. Some guys they embrace it and they, and they make it all five years. They eventually earn a scholarly, which you did. Congratulations. Shout out to you, by the way. What, uh, from, from that journey, how satisfying was it to go from a walk on dude at Stanford, which was a long shot in the original game plan to I'm now on scholarship. Yeah. You know, it was kind of one of those things where especially a lot of, um, you know, walk ons early on, you're getting a red shirt. I mean, it's, it's something I very much expected to do. If you and play as a true, you're you're something special. Yeah, no if you what. play as a true, even you know, scholarly or red, or scholarly or red on. shirt, you're yeah, you're the truth. You're a, a different breed, or you're there earlier than most. Um, my kind of story went like this: where a freshman year red shirt, you know, had a bunch of fun, took football seriously, tried to learn as much as possible, you know, but was having fun on the side. Red. Red shirts year supposed to be fun. Years yeah. are fun. You should you should have a good time. I mean, keep keep that task at hand in the back of your mind, but you know, let yourself live a little bit. Yeah. And that happened to be like our most successful year on the field as a team. You know, we right. we ended up going to a Rose Bowl. Christian McCaffrey had arrived. He had emerged onto the scene. He became Christian McCaffrey. He became Christian McCaffrey. That right. was his sophomore season. So I overlapped with him two years of playing, and that was kind of his breakout year. Right. And yeah, we went, won a Rose Bowl. Things were great. And it was like, okay, like you got just the ultimate taste of what, you know, this college football experience could be. And that was a huge motivator carrying me into my sophomore year in which I played a a very similar role, not really playing a lot, you know, got a few minutes of burn, end of game, coach. Hey. Hey. You're playing D1. Yeah. Me and my boy, Sweet Lou, another walk online. Shout out, Sweet Lou. You know, we'd get tossed in there to go fly around for the last few minutes of a game that we were winning by a lot, you know, usually 35 plus points. But, and that was fun. (laughs) And then by junior year, it was like, really, I kind of got the wake up call. I had a great special teams coach who really motivated me and told me what I needed to work on. And Coach Alamore. Coach Alomar was, he's still at Stanford today. One of the best coaches I've ever had, if not the, and really kind of came to me and was like, Hey, you should be playing next year. This is what you got to do. Just straight, honest feedback. And, you know, I kind of stuck to his plan and, you know, I'd done enough to prove myself to that point, going hard all the time, you know, 
kind of earning respect, not through just the coaches, but also the players around me. And, you know, by the start of my junior year, I was starting on a few special teams and, you know, was able to kind of serve as a release valve and some other situations. And it right. was just an awesome time. So well, you take pride in that stuff. I mean, oh, you work, I definitely you work your ass off. Yeah. And it, it, it's a, it's the ultimate you're chiseling away at earning that spot. I mean, we've talked about it on earlier pods, 110 dudes on a football team and 11 are on the field at once. I don't care what it is. It's, it's rough. And I think, I don't know if I remember I pop, I put this in my episode zero or not. You are a kickoff, kickoff return guy. Kickoff return is one of the most, nobody wants to play that. It's, it's people running full speed into each other. You're, they have a 40 yard head start and you're about backpedaling, just hope, hoping all goes the best at this point. You embraced that role first. I did. I was, uh, unfortunately my best special teams, which is, you know, how most players first kind of break onto the field and gives the coaches an opportunity to see what you got and see how you handle the speed and the size and, you know, the, the strength of the game, um, at that level. And my best special teams were punt uh-huh. and kickoff return. Which, which you guys run the pro punt. We, we, ran, we ran a very complex and, you know, um, live by the sword, die by the sword type of punt unit. I mean, we consistently had one of the best, if not the best punt unit in the country. Right. But we ran a very complex system that had a, you know, a playbook calls and, you know, called on people to do a lot more than a typical punt unit. Yeah. But, you know, if, if kickoffs, the, the one no one wants to be on, I would say punts probably the second one. Cause you know, kickoff return. I mean, you run to the fight. You, yeah. You, you, you either know, run to the fight or the fight runs to you and you ran to the fight. Typically n- nothing's going super great when you're punting. Um, you're either giving the ball to the other team, right. With an opportunity them for them to block it, to kick a bad punt, to not cover well and to allow a big return. And, you know, it's a very vulnerable position within a game. It's kind of a, you know, they can be huge momentum changers as goes with all of special teams, but something about punt, especially um, both sides of the ball. It's just, you know, you really get juiced up quick um, in those moments. So um, I loved them, but yeah, I kind of, I definitely broke onto the field with those two special teams. On the pod, I like to talk about people's experiences in sports, what calloused their mind what helped them push forward in those dark days and those hard times and how it eventually relates to everyday life. You're a little different, Beach. And I'm just going to throw this out there because most of our listeners know, middle of football, middle of college, you got told you have cancer. Tell me about that. As much as you want. Yeah, no, I mean, so... I remember. It was... Just after my junior season, um, or towards the end of my my junior season, it was season, after Thanksgiving. I remember because it was after we Thanksgiving, were, yeah. we were actually it was during during bowl prep. Yeah, um, I was in Hawaii for the Hawaii Bowl. Anyone who makes a bowl game, it's awesome. But you have this like three week stretch, usually in December, where you know the school Stanford. We'd always be on winter break, but you'd be at school training for a bowl game. And it'd usually be a couple of weeks where it's just, you know, a few other sporting teams and football on campus practicing. And, you know, I just kind of randomly like started feeling this bump under my right arm. You know, I didn't think anything of it. Yeah. 
Um, you know, I was like, it's probably a bruise or some shoulder like, pads, mm-hmm. straps. Who knows? It was kind of a it's small football. bump, but then it got a lot bigger kind of overnight. And I was like, all right, this is weird. Um, went in to our athletic trainers, yada, yada, yada. Very lucky to be at a school like Stanford. They got me in, you know, within the next 24, 48 hours to all these various tests. Cause they, yeah. you know, each, anyone who's been through this knows each test you take is kind of worse and worse in the right. sense that like, okay, it's not this. So you got to do this test. Yeah. It's not this. And basically that ended up in having a, a biopsy on what ended up being a tumor of large cell, large T cell lymphoma, ALK positive or a rare, but treatable type of lymphoma um, that had started under my right armpit in a tumor. And I got that phone call the night before I was supposed to fly to our bowl game, um, the Alamo Bowl, and got that phone call the night before I I went and was like, hey, you can't go to the bowl game. We actually need you to stay back and start chemo in a couple of weeks. So, you know, that was my first year starting. It was the end of the season. We were going to, you know, the first bowl game I would play like a, a real on the field role in, you know, there's plenty of other roles on the, you know, on the team, not on the field, but it was uh, a crazy way to cap off kind of my breakthrough year on the team. Well, I mean, I, I mean, I want to touch base on that. I mean, you, anybody who's ever been to a bowl game or anybody who's ever played college football, cause I didn't realize a lot of guys that transferred into Fresno state, at least they never went to a bowl game. A bowl game is kind of rare and I'm, I'm lucky to where I got to go to two, but and you went to, I mean, she, you went to a bunch, but like bowl games for people that have never been to a bowl game, they're like the, uh, it's like the end of the year party almost when you're like a little kid. It's almost, if you played, you ate soccer and now even if your team, you know, did whatever, if they got enough to where they got a pizza party at the end of the year, it was a good time. Obviously, this is still a professional sport. Yeah, you're college, but it is a business and there's big businesses sponsoring these bowl games and you have to go to these events. But you go into your hotel and you got free stuff. You're it, It's a bonus game. All the coaches are getting bonuses. The players, they get a little bit of per diem. I mean, I remember we used to get like 200 bucks a night or something like that. And you, you, you got to do what you wanted with it. Some guys would go shopping. Some guys go out, get some beer. Some guys go get some food. It's pretty fun. Oh, yeah. I mean, and it, and it's, yeah, for so many reasons. And you already I mean, went to a bowl game at this yeah. point. I went to a bowl so game. So you know. Yeah. You have to earn it. You, you know, earn you, it. Ha- you have to earn it on the field with your record. And then, you know, it's kind of a big party at the end of the year. Um, you could win a ring and you're chasing you win a rings. ring. You get some cool swag. Some cool you get swag. some, you know, gifts. It's like the one time a year where they're actually allowed to like, at that time, give yeah. some love back to the players right, right. in terms of, you know, material, anything. Oh, I got a, a Traeger, a Yeti, yeah. a soundbar, TV at one point. Like, and, you know, was, for those for those older guys, as you kind of realize later on in, in your career, that's kind of their last ride. You know, it's that last little, you know, glimpse of football. Yeah. For most people, it'll be the last glimpse of football they ever have. It's, a fi- so, it, it, it's the last lap. It, it, yeah, it is. So, um yeah, so basically I found out the night before my bowl game I had to not go start to your bowl game. Chemo and yeah. six months of chemo, few months of radio, about like six and a half months of chemo, then a few months of radiation. Um 
I was on like the, I'm going to go into some terminology here, but anyone who's dealt with this will appreciate it. I was on a CHOEP program. So every 20 days I would do a few days of infusions in a row in the chemo chair for about six hours for about six and a half months. Then I started a few months of radiation. Chemo kicked my ass, tried to do school, obviously couldn't do football, ended up dropping out of school. Um, wouldn't recommend doing school on chemo to anyone who's thinking about trying. And then I, <laughs> Holy shit. Talk about, then, I'm going to, that's going to be your quote for the episode. <laughs> would not recommend doing chemo while doing school. And then I would say radiation wasn't bad for me. Some people have it bad. It's harder than others. You know, I was able to like get back to working out and stuff like that. But yeah, it was just kind of a crazy experience. So I finished all that up in June. Um, well, but, I remember we were, yeah. we were bow fishing and shit. We were. We went to Lake Tahoe. We little, went to Lake Tahoe. Yeah. We had a, a great time in Lake Tahoe. A little, yeah. It was- Victory I, lap. Being, victory lap. Being one of Beecher's best friends going through that, it was hard to hear from a friend perspective, but from a fellow football player, knowing his journey, knowing what it took, because those inner there's those inner guts. And every and on, you know, on the show, we talk about grit, guts, getting your piss hot, that high energy, that bring it every single day. And to be a- uh, when you're in a position where you barely make the team to play division one football by the hairs of your chinny chin chin to, okay, I'm not going to get cut to, all right, you know what? I might start on a special team to like, now I'm kind of pulling my weight. I might be making some calls. I'm doing my thing. We're going to a bowl game. We're winning. Things are going good. And all of a sudden this hits you. I know it's rough. Yeah, no, it was, it was definitely what I consider, you know, keeping in the football family, a blindside hit to your life. Um, you basically go from being as active and productive and just like physically efficient as you've ever been a piece of iron in every part of life um, to basically getting told doing nothing is the best thing you can do right now. Um, you can't see people because of germs. Um, you definitely can't be too strenuous on your body um, because it'll just weaken you more than, you know, the medley of drugs that you're on already is. And so it's just kind of a, a you know, the transition from high school to college football, it's that times, you know, a lot. Yeah. And it's, yeah, just a, a very wild kind of blindside moment in my life that luckily everything worked out. And, you know, it was a very treatable type of lymphoma, huge, huge kudos to the Stanford doctors. I mean, I had some wicked smart doctors and it was just, everything worked out as well right. as it could. So. Yeah. I, I mean, I remember your number being 43 and watching that bowl game, seeing your teammates write your number, knowing because, and, and, and I mean, I know that when you are a walk on and you are pulling your weight, it's almost as if everyone's, I don't want to say cheering for you, but they want to see you thrive. And it's not for everybody. It's if you're, like I said, me and Beecher, we're best friends. We were we introduced each other to each other's friends at other football teams saying like, Hey, I'm the, I, I say I'm the Ryan Beecher version of Fresno state. Or he says, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like Frankie, but from Stanford, like we're, we're, we, 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 we've relative, I didn't go through the hell of a journey that Beecher has gone through as far as chemo and battling that battle. But to see that bowl game that you were supposed to play in, that you missed the flight of that you worked your ass off to get to that you earned your spot on, and you see your boys on ESPN is repping 43. Do that mean something? I mean, 
Oh, it was incredible. You know, a few, a few guys reached out the night before. I mean, this is, you know, you leave for your bowl game, you know, six or seven yeah. days. And before no one knows the game. about this shit. I mean, so it's, it's all of my players exclusive. found out, you know, on site because some guys flying from home to the bowl site. Some people fly on like, you know, the team charter from campus. Right. So they all found out at the bowl site. So, you know, five or six days before the game. Where's Beach? And yes, yeah, like, hey, Beach isn't going to be here. Here's what's going on. And, you know, I had a few calls with Coach Coach Shaw um, throughout that who huge amounts of respect and just love for that man and the way he runs his football program um, and just the way he handled my situation. He has a brother going who has gone through so much more than I did and have in, you know, the world of cancer and treatments and just an incredible story there called me a few times, incredibly supportive. Um, a few of the guys reached out before the bowl game and asked about putting their, uh, putting my number on their arms, uh, before. And that was just, you know, not something they had to do, but just meant a lot to like, you know, hear that, like, not only are they thinking about doing this, but like, Hey, will it be cool? Will it bug you? And that was kind of an emotional moment for a lot of reasons. I mean, we ended up, we were up 27 to three, ended up losing that bowl game. They, you know, returned a punt on a, you know, on a unit that I previously played on, you know, the guy that replaced me is a dog. He plays in the NFL. Now I can't say that that changed anything, but you know, it's just (laughs) the only punt return we give up all year is the game. I missed because of fucking chemo. It's It's like, it's not because you weren't there, but like, Oh, it's like, you know, um, TCU fuckers. But (laughs) anyway, um, yeah, just huge outpouring of support. I was wearing a jersey that every player on the team had signed with a note. Um, that's a big know, fucking deal. It I'm was a stop. huge deal. I mean, that, that, that's a yeah. huge, that's a big deal. It meant deal. so much, yeah. That's the difference between a team and a family, and that team, win, lose, or whatever, that, that, that that's a family type. That's a family move right there. That's not a, oh, we're, we all play on the same team. Like, yeah, I'm going to send them a card. That's a family move right there, and that's, that's a big deal, and I, I know that's, definitely draining for you. Yeah, it was, you know, that J.J.R. Sager, Whiteside, love that dude. He's my guy in the league now, dog receiver. He scored a few touchdowns that game. I can't remember his exact stat line, but absolutely went, you know, Megatron mode. And so he had it on both arms, big old arms. His mother battled cancer in his childhood as well. So it, you know, you know, struck a special chord with him and he could relate to my experiences a lot more. Than some than some people and just had that personal connection to it. And when he went off, so that number was flashing on the TV a lot. It was emotional just to see that and to feel that love and support. But also, I, you know, I wasn't a guy that was going around and like televising. No, it was this low key. I, yeah, it was low key as shit. At that point in time, I wasn't really like. I don't think there was any. I think your mom didn't even make a Facebook post. No, I kind of just maybe. Want, yeah, I didn't really like. You know, I didn't really. It was at my point in my treatment where it was like, I was too early. Like if shit goes south, I don't really want to have this, like everyone know about it. And it was also like something I just wasn't trying to like broadcast. No, it's, it was, Um, it was an in-house thing, but like that everyone seeing that number on JJ's arm and him pointing to it after he scores a tug two feet away from the camera, incredible shot. Right. JJ. And, uh, that's when I got a lot of like phone calls, texts, um, people reaching out like, Hey dude, like saw you weren't on the field, right. saw everyone with the 43, what's going on. So that, you know, that, that moment, you know, incredibly special 
but very emotional in a lot of ways um, during that football game. I I mean, I yeah, I want to say, I'm trying to remember. I feel like that was the point where, you know, the boys wanted to like shave their heads and do other things to support you. Because that, that, that kind of got the ball rolling. And that kind of leads me into this next thing of what that led to from your community. I mean, we talked about, I introduced you as a guy from Old Fig. And you went to Stanford, you networked like crazy there. But I want to start with Fig real quick. And I want to go back to the Stanford network. Fig is a community. I w- it's one of those communities where I think I never lived in, but I felt like I was a satellite member. I lived in semi the ghetto during college for a few years. Shout out to the Brick House. But I, uh, a lot of my friends lived in Fig. And it's a community where they got, Chris- if you've ever been in Crispy Tree Lane, you've been in Fig. If you've ever been Old Fig or Fig Garden Village to go to any of those restaurants or anything, you've been in Fig. I think they definitely um, embraced it. Just, just so many tight family friends. What do you think? I mean, were, I mean, were they first, or did stand, <laughs> that standing game kind of start you all off? Well, I mean, I'll just say, I mean, Old Fig Garden was an incredible place to grow up. It's an island of the county of Fresno within the city of Fresno, so you already kind of have this like uniqueness in the sense that like. I don't know. It's like this little weird little area in the middle of Fresno. That's just kind of like off. I got some funk to it. Yeah. It's got a little funk, a little, you know, coolness to it. And just a lot of my best friends for the rest of my life, you know, best family friends, my friends, friends of friends, sister, brother, my whole family just have very strong ties to that community. And, you know, they were all at my house during that game. For example, this is how like tight of a community we are. Everyone knew, um, you know, I'd be there watching the game and wanted to come and give me my support. And, you know, a lot of other Pac-12 schools were represented in that group at that party, Cal and Boulder especially. Right. Everyone was done in some Stanford gear, you know, to to root on me, to support me and like help me get through it. Because, you know, again, that was right. It's hard to watch. Right at the, you know, that was before I even started chemo. That was like very early in my, you know, cancer journey or whatever uh, the hell just started whatever the hell you want to call it yeah you know i'm forever grateful to be from old fit garden um a lot of people i've been to a lot of places met a lot of people from a lot of places and pretty much everyone's response when you say you're from fresno if they're not from fresno is oh i'm sorry and that's always rub, rubbed me a little bit the wrong way well, we embrace this shit. yeah no i i have tremendous fresno pride i i like being here we're both you know opting to live it's here home. right now it's home yeah so um, definitely felt the love from that group of people. It's a um, good group of people. Yeah. I mean, they're, and they, and they, and a lot of them do some pretty cool things. You know, we, we, uh, we know, I mean, there's some businesses, there's some head honchos that live in fig. There's some big dogs. There's some people that you don't even know who they are, but they do really well for themselves that live in all kinds of neighborhoods, fig being one of them. And it's good to know those people get advice from them, have wisdom from them, get to shoot the shit with them during, uh, you know, a Saturday night barbecue, whatever. But going back to networks at Stanford, from an academic standpoint, you know, I just had a cousin that's he's leaving for Cornell in the next week. And we have, I'm, you know, we're a big Italian family. My grandma, we have Sunday dinner. Okay, we're, the, we're those guys. And it was his last Sunday here before he leaves. And he, my grandma said, you know, what do you, what advice do you have to give to your cousin before he he leaves? And she asked everybody in the room. And my advice was shake as many hands as possible, be nice to people, 
and be involved, be as much as involved as you can because the networking you meet in college, which I went to Fresno State, the Harvard of the Central Valley, and I met some people where I'm now finding situations where we're doing business meetings as our Delana Farms, and they're there on the other side of things, and we're hitting off right off the bat. I hope my cousin who's going to Cornell gets to have those experiences. I think Stanford is a on steroids version of that. Talk a little bit about the people you met, the assets, your roommates throughout the years. I, I don't know. People you cross paths with. I know yeah. it's a list, but make some bullet points. I, I want the viewers to hear about this. I, I, I Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of struggling where, where to start off with a question like that. I will say this, that the uh, Stanford football program does you know, a second to none job of networking and connecting their players with people. Um, Matt Doyle, the current football operation director of football ops, um, was there all my five years at Stanford and does an incredible job of not only setting up like, you know, formal networking events, but, you know, he'll kind of take a, take a look at your resume, take a look at what you're into and kind of introduce you to people just on the whim, like after practice, yeah. like, Hey beach, come meet you know, shaking hands, come kissing meet, babies. Yeah, come meet this guy who runs an awesome commercial real estate investment group in Palo Alto. You should just say hello. You know, I know you're kind of interested or yada, yada, yada. And every summer, um, he has a list of internships that would, uh, coincide with our summer program being wow. on the quarter system. We only had about between six and eight weeks for a summer internship. So he did a good job of lining up some internships that would fit that, you know, criteria. I mean, what a resource on that. Oh, incredible. And, you know, you'd interview, but a, lo a lot of these kind of had like, you know, slotted roles specifically for athletes from Stanford that only had a limited period of time in the summer to do these things. So that in and of itself, specific to the football team was incredible. And then, you know, at Stanford, it's it's hard not to network if you're a social person whatsoever. You're basically networking at Stanford. Um, you know, some of my best friends, roommates come from hugely successful families, um, various industries around the world. And, you know, my... Like the literal world. The literal world. And, you know, you, you meet some, you know, incredible big name people. Um, and, you know, people that are hugely successful in business and, you know, financially or however, whatever your metrics of success right. are in the business world in that regard, but also like socially and, you know, they giving know back doing. to their community. You just meet as you would anywhere. If you're a, a person who wants to meet a lot of people, you meet a lot of great people at Stanford. And, um, I truly cherish that. I was, you know, I was in the Greek scene. I, I, I joined a frat, which, you know, was tough to balance out yeah, between football, frat, but you know, and school I wanted, I, yeah. I didn't want to let being a division one college athlete limit completely you, right? limit me or take, take out of the other aspects of college, especially at a school like Stanford that I felt were so important. Yeah. And so I, I put emphasis and, you know, effort into those other areas of my college journey that, you know, some other players on the team didn't, you know, yeah. but you know, you did it all. Yeah. You know, everyone's like motivations are different. I tried to do it all. That was my goal. I love to have fun. I love to fucking, you know, party. You know, <laughs> I, I did like the party, but you know, there's a social aspect, you know, around like being able to party like and be party. social with people. But yeah, no, that, I mean, that 
I'm sure, shit, that's people like to party. Yeah. And you and you could do business partying. If if you meet a guy who also likes to party, you could do business partying. And all of a sudden you're it, it's a stepbrothers moment, like, do we just become best friends? Like <laughs> I mean, it's a thin line to walk, but I say walk it. I walked it pretty well. Hey, you know, I I don't have any regrets. You, you walked the line. I'll lines. put it that way. You walk you went full Johnny Cash. Yeah, I walked the line. I dude. had some fun. Who I mean, who I mean okay, I I know I want to I want to push you to it. Like who are some of the people that you've you've met? Like just give me some I need some name drops here. Not you don't gotta say people, but maybe like some relevance of whether it be their 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 families or what they do, yeah. things of that nature. Because um, there's some cool shit, and I want to make yeah. sure my audience I, knows you a, know, a sliver of the wood. I was able to meet some people that I mean, I could name you know just athletically tons of incredible people. Stanford is very dug into the Olympics, so the Olympics just happened. I mean. Stanford consistently churns out the most Olympic gold medals of any school every year. It's like we're we're very big into the Olympic sports. So Badasses. I always like to Hell. I always like to t- tell the story of Katie Ledecky's first class at Stanford. She got kicked out of, and so did I, because the class was over enrolled. So my sophomore year, Katie Ledecky's first day of Stanford real classes. We both get kicked out of class together and have to walk to the athletic department together to not get, you know, ineligible. Right, We're right, all right. worried about getting like, you're not enrolled in enough units. You can't practice today, which Total is like Stanford just nerd the move. nightmare <laughs> chill down your spine for any athlete. Oh my God, I'm missing a practice. Like, right. I'll never be the same. Yeah. But um, like, that's a cool story. You know, I had some roommates that were big in the hospitality and oil industry, you know, don't want to, you know, could name drop, but like why even, no, you no, know, no, right. own ski resort. Good it, industries with good people that you've got to meet. And it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's a good know, scene that you can, you could Relatives of Steve of. Jobs, Tom Hanks, blah, 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 blah all blah, sorts blah. of, yeah, I could just, there you go. You know, big banks. It, it, it's like Stanford is unique. And big bank, take little bank. Yeah. It's yeah. unique. It was cool. So I, I've you met got a lot network. of awesome people. I, I'm kind of fumbling around that answer. I don't know. I didn't really confirm with anyone if they want me to name drop them. No, no, no. I'm not a huge I don't want name, name dropper. Drop. Beach is low key. You got to understand that. I'm a little low key, guys. But I'm sorry. He's he's a turtle coming out of a shell. What do you want me to do? We we need a little more Remy Martin I don't think 1738. We do. I think we're right on the money with the Remy right now. <laughs> Oh, I want to be able to form. We haven't even gotten to the business side of life well, yet. Okay, that's we're what I was networking. Going to. We're networking. You networked. It's and, step one. And okay, school's over. Beach, okay, first of all, for those of you that know about my skeleton journey, this I, I did not want to go to Utah by myself. Me and Beach, going through the same journey, I said, Beach, I want to go, I'm going to Utah to train for a sport that I've never done, but I might be good at maybe because I'm small and fast, so we'll see how it goes. Beach is a crazy skier. We both like to booze. We haven't got to see each other for a long time because we both playing college football. I figured, shit, why not? So I hit Beach up and I'm like, let's go. <laughs> I'll never forget we that. We decide phone call. it's a good idea to move together to an apartment we've never been to before. And IKEA the whole place up. Next thing you know, we got a little pad out in Salt Lake City, Utah, Sugar House. Baby. Sugar House. Shout, shout out, out Sugar House. <laughs> no free shout outs. Shout out Sugar House Pub, uh, No Name Saloon. What else? High West. El Chihuahua. El Chihuahua, baby. (laughs) But long story short, me and Beach move out there and 
we, I, I'm training for this skeleton. I'm trying to, you know, make, train with these Team USA guys. I got Olympians around me every mm-hmm. day. People from our, from hometown are coming to Fresno. We're just entertaining them, beach is skiing with them. I'm just sliding in front of them 80 miles an hour. Next thing you know, we're going to dinner, getting beers later. And it's, it's a pretty good little gig. And we're just trying to have a good time, embrace it. 100%. But this is during the pandemic. And post pandemic, me and Beecher are like, we need to work. So I'm doing, I'm delivering groceries for people to make money. Beach is trying to, you know, deliver fast food. Okay, well, I, I got to <laughs> jump in here. So here's how it happened. <laughs> After five years of college football, sports my whole life, you know, a little bout with cancer in the middle of it all. After I finished college, after my fifth year season, I only did one additional quarter. quarter. I only, I didn't do a true fifth year. I did a fifth year season, but just to finish up um, a couple classes that I missed when I missed school during my treatments. So I knew I wanted to do something cool. I graduated like the beginning of December. I was done with college, completely finished. And I kind of was like, you know, I like to ski and skiing is not something that gets along with football very well, both in, no. in timing and in location, don't, location, don't hurt yourself, will kill you type of vibe. So I got the phone call from Frankie and he was like, Hey, I'm thinking about moving to Utah. And he might've said like one or two more sentences. And I was pretty <laughs> much like, yes, I'm down. Yeah. It so, was one of those ride or die types. Yeah. I just thought I would add in that little moment when you, when you told me that. So no, it was, it was for sure a, uh, we both know that we want to be successful in life. That's the game plan. But we also both grinded our ass off playing college football. <laughs> and now it's like, Maybe let's go chill for a year. I'll try to do one thing. You try to do one thing. We'll see how it goes. Best decision I ever made. So beaches, we're we're both just, I mean, I became a personal trainer. Like I'm selling alarm systems. Beaches, beaches trying to snow. Beaches trying to sell masks from China to like the state of Georgia by like the 500,000 pack. Just your comments. I slung a little bit of PPE during the early days of COVID. Beach I got just into slinging the, masks. The, the logistics game as I you need your nose 60, covered. Beach <laughs> skied sixty five days that winter. He I did. was a yeah, you know, yeah. I was a you know fancy Stanford graduate version of a ski bum. The the boys were bopping. Okay, and El Chihuahua was our local watering hole, which was uh, you know six dollar giant margaritas essentially, and like it was a good time. But eventually, Beach, towards the middle slash end of our era there, before we moved back to the 559, you came in contact with some Stanford grads, networking 101, shake hands and kiss some babies' faces. And next thing you know, you got a job of this startup. What's the startup? What's the potential? Is it going public soon? Should I invest? Where you at? Tell me. Investors? All right. Possibly you. (laughs) This ties in so well to what we talked about a little bit earlier of just, you know, burn no bridges. Be nice to anyone you meet. If you- Be a good guy. If you can leave someone's day, making their day a better day, do it unless you have a legitimate reason not to. Um, It's how I kind of found this job. So- um, I'm getting on a, you know, I got to spend like two days in Tahoe with my family during college football. Very rare occurrence. Maybe Super. Once or, once or twice a year, you get to do a trip like that. Um, I'm up there in Tahoe with them and I have to take the bus from South Lake Tahoe to the Reno airport. 
um, to fly back to school to do football. Yeah. And, you know, it just so happens that I bump on, on the bus from South Lake Tahoe to the Reno airport to someone who was a year to one year above me at Stanford that I had kind of knew. Just, kind of just knew. like randomly. Just randomly. He saw my Stanford bag and came up and said anything. I don't know if I would have reached out. You know, it's someone I knew of but hadn't really known. And we, you know, sit across the aisle from each other on the bus you know, just shoot it. I don't think any of it other, like, what are you doing? He was playing professional soccer for the Seattle Sounders at the time. He was a Stanford athlete. That's how I knew him. Brian Nanasinkum, awesome dude. And just shot the shit with him. You know, he knew my sister better than he knew me. She also went to Stanford and it was just like a normal conversation for 40 minutes on the bus. Nothing crazy. Nothing crazy. Just nice conversation. Two years later, I'm looking for a job. Oh, three years later, maybe. Yeah, three years. I'm looking for a job. I'm scrolling LinkedIn. Anyone who's looking for a job in this day and age knows where I was. Just kind of like scrolling through LinkedIn, you know, angry that I hadn't been doing this for five months. It's mid-COVID. It's mid-COVID pandemic. The snow shit for the ski (laughs) season. The ski hills had shut down. I didn't know what to do, but. I come across, you know, this company, Air, and I was like, this is kind of cool. What's it called again? Air Inc. This episode is brought to you in part by Air Inc. They're better than any ink or any air. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. Continue. The premier leaders in cloud-based digital asset management storage, but I'll talk about that later. We'll drop the link in the bio. So, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm doing like the LinkedIn scroll. Like, God, my eyes are burning by looking at my phone. I need a job. I like put it off for who am I? At one point I was like, okay, I'll put it off for this winter after college COVID hits. Okay. I'll put it off for COVID. Oh wait, COVID's not going anywhere. What am I doing? So how to find a job. Um, come across Brian, this guy that I had just had a good conversation with via bus bus. On a bus, not busting with the boys, just bus, a bus, a public bus. And boom, he worked at this company, yada, 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 set up the interview. I know this guy. Shaking Let's hands, go. smiling. I'm, you know, the eighth, I'm the 18th or 20th hire at a Series A funded startup. and A Stanford startup. Yeah. Which I'm not saying is better than, uh, um, you know, it, it's for sure shit better than a Cal startup. Without a doubt. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Fresno but, State might compete, but... <laughs> the University of California, Berkeley has not seen something this awesome ever. But you got, okay, so you're in this startup. You're going up the rankings. It's been what? Uh, not even a year. I mean, it's been like five months, six months. I'll be one year at the company in October. Wow. So Time it's coming flies. Up. We're having fun. Shit. It's kind of wild. But it's going good. And you're moving up and you believe in the company. And it's one of those things where you could, one, grow in, uh, have an asset from, from being so high up and getting in so early Two, if it doesn't work out, you learned a shit ton about business mm-hmm. or three, everyone else leaves and you become the owner and you make it better or yeah. What, what's your, what's your kind of, what is your, is this a, I mean, I'm not going to put you on the spot on that, but like, no, 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 no. It's this a is situation, a question I like, I like to answer, but like, like you, is it, do you eventually want to do your own gig or do you want to be a higher up part with more of a say in you want to, do you want to drive the boat of this gig? Do you believe in it that much? Well, let me just 
kind of like preface how I made the decision. When yeah. you go to college, you'll find, you know, a lot of people kind of bucket themselves into this group. And this group is like, I need the highest paying, the most, you know, lucrative is not the right word, prestigious job post-college that I, you know, this is why I came specifically. Yeah. I'll talk about my experience. This is why I came to Stanford. I came to Stanford to become this type of banker or yada, yada, yada. I'm going to go work for this, for this guy, big kind of like this huge company or this like, you know, sweatshop version of a private equity slash investment banking firm. That's going to grind me to my teeth and die. And I was always like, you know, you know, I don't know if I really want to do that. So the other popular option is the startup world. Like, all right, let's be a part of building something, like learn how to build something. Don't, you know, it's something new. Yeah. You know, it's like, don't join a, a, you know, a train that's on the tracks. Let's lay some tracks and help, figure out what type of train we're going right. to put on it type of motivation. So I kind of always early on was leaning towards the startup life. Like even when I was like, I did a couple real estate internships in my summer in college, like even within the real estate space, I was like, I want to join a real estate startup or a startup that you a company in an industry that caters itself to startups. Yeah. I just like wanted to be around that world and, um, one of my big mentors who I only overlapped with, with, with for a year at Stanford, Rollin Stallworth, um, worked at the tech startup of uh, Stanny of real estate for startups. So it's, it's all this stuff, but he worked there and I interned him with under him for a summer. You interned like crazy. I interned every summer, yeah. which for any college not even athletes. And like legit internships. Like not the least that I bullshit. worked was like 25 hours a week on top of class, right. at least one or two classes uh -huh. and a pretty rigorous football schedule. So I mean, at least 25 You grinded in high school, you grinded in college and now it's paying off, which it always will. You networked, you're in a good spot now. You shook the right hands, kissed the right babies and now you're in a situation where things are, things are, the ball is rolling, baby. The boys are bopping. The ball is rolling. Things are going good. And you're you're back in the 559. Who knows where it's going to take you? We don't got to get into all that, but you're rolling with it. I'm rolling with it. And, you know, it's, it's, it's hard not to find the, you know, the ties to football that made it always so much back. of it possible. It, it, I mean, it, I don't want to say it molds you, but it, there are certain things there's certain, I mean, there's, there's mindsets. And like, I would say that once college football players, what, whether once, okay, I'll say football players in general, once they're done playing football a year after they're done playing football, they're probably not in the, the same shape they were their last season playing football. So physically I'm not going to count it, but I think mentally there's so much that comes from between meetings, being diligent in certain aspects of your life having that responsibility barrier, holding yourself to a certain standard, even if for the day-to-day -day human, it's not that big of a standard. For a football player, you could be 50% below your football standard and you're still 80% above the normal human being standard. Yeah. And so do you hold yourself to a high standard even though you're not playing football still? Oh, I definitely do. It, it helped. It, it, it helped so much. And just like mentality, right. um, my football... 
and I, I feel like any college football player will agree to this is so much of it is relying on your strength and conditioning coach. And what a lot of people, you know, fans, spectators don't realize around college football is you spend a vast majority of your time throughout the year only with the strength coach. Strictly with the strength coach. Strictly with the strength coach and his staff. I was lucky to come into Stanford football when Shannon Turley was still at had his reins of the strength and conditioning program. Little cool shout shout out and tie to Fresno State. His number two, my first two years at Stanford, ended up becoming Fresno State's head strength and conditioning coach later on. Shout out Andy, a.k.a. Andrew, a.k.a. Andy Ward. Mm-hmm. And then Perez later down the road, Jones. We had, we had there was oh, a there was multi, I've, yeah, I mean. There was, I mean, there's like four and like yeah, Ward was right. my guy. It's more than just one. Ward was my guy, mm-hmm. which I love. He, I mean, he, you want to talk about bring the juice. Andy Ward is a bring the juice type guy. I love to get him on the pod and just talk, you know, uh, Tendo speed bullshit, but he's a mindset guy who hundred percent. He'll get your piss hot, and he 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 knows what it takes to get a team fired up. And he's and he's not. He's a dude who's worked his craft because he's not naturally. I think like a fired up guy. He's like, I need, I know exactly what I need to do when, and he's very calculated, which I personally appreciated like crazy. Oh, a hundred percent. And I think he, he learned, I mean, so much of what you guys, I mean, Frank and I talk all the time. Our, our brains are one. So, so much of what we did at Stanford and Fresno state, once Andy went over to Fresno state was very the same. Similar. Yeah. You know, very, very similar programs and ideas, but you know, Shannon Turley, I will credit, with, you know, making me grow up in college. He was the one who was like, you went from a boy to a man. Yeah. He's, you know, from West Virginia, doesn't take any shit and dishes it out better than anyone I've ever met in my life. I mean, this guy is a motivator second to none and just an awesome coach and person to run your football program so much. In fact, that Andy Ward left Fresno State recently to rejoin Shannon Turley, who's now working at the University of Colorado. So it's this crazy connection between Frank and I's it, athletic career yeah. that ties over. Yeah, it definitely there, there's some crossover. Mm-hmm. And and I I love that you brought back the fact that your experiences playing ball have reflected back down because I th- I think I think whether you're a and and speaking to our younger viewers, if you played high school sports. I encourage anybody in high school, whether you're athletically talented or not, because there's guys that they don't have an athletic bone in their body, but they still played high school sports. And I think they're molded to be more social, better human beings, understand a little bit of a work ethic. They're not as, um, you know, in episode with episode of George, we talked about how too many people in this world are just, they're just soft. Now. Mm-hmm. I think playing sports helps make you a little less soft, depending on your sport. But yeah. you for sure have a little bit of a structure to go by, and and and, and I mean playing college football, obviously you're, you're you're not soft. We I even the softest guy, I, the the softest people I knew that played football, they're still not soft it's compared to the you know average population. Not hating on the average population, I'm just I'm making a statement in the sense where yeah. it's different. It's you went through the shit. A strength coach puts you through shit where they're mentally trying to mess with you. I mean, we used to have this thing at Fresno State called Red Dawn where mm-hmm. 
you would, you'd have to be there at 4 a.m. You do all these drills and, and um, just use a minor, minor example. They would say you didn't touch a line or you didn't finish through the line. And they would say this thing called re-ride. And if a coach said re-ride, that means you were back up again. You're already throwing up. I mean, shitting, shitting your brains out because you're, you're dying. Well, it wasn't because you actually didn't finish through the line most of the time. It was because they wanted to see how you would respond when you know you did it right and you didn't. It's it's all about becoming more mentally tough. In sports, from Little League to MLB to Pop Warner to NFL to whatever you want to call it, I don't care. If you played sports, you are a little bit, you got a little bit of mentally tough. So there's some a-hole coach along the journey that's helped made you better. College football strength coaches are just professionals that also know how to make you stronger. Yeah. I No, I will say, I, I do think sports are an excellent microcosm of life. I mean, so many lessons learned in athletics carries over to the rest of your life. Um, you get in what you put in, yada, yada, yada. Everything about sports, teamwork, camaraderie, sacrifice, things like that. I mean, I, I'm not going to sit here and say you you can't get that from other areas of life. I mean, people come up doing all, all sorts of things outside of athletics and they get the similar thing. But the, the takeaway is, is letting those experiences influence other parts of your life outside of those experiences. And I'll, I, I will say being a collegiate athlete helped me kind of change my mindset about life and huge amount of that goes to Shannon Turley and, you know, his philosophy and how he taught us is, treat everything like training. Cause we had a, we had a saying, um, you've heard in a earlier episode, hopefully you've listened to the earlier episodes, but you talked a little bit about the goal ladders with George and how Andy Ward brought that over to Fresno state from the Stanford program. And one of the quotes we had every, you know, goal ladder had a quote, every single lift had a different quote. One of those quotes was, and it's, it comes from the Navy SEALs. It originates in ancient Greece where it's never rise to the occasion, always fall back on your training. So in moments of great stress, you don't rise to the occasion. Anyone who says that saying is full of shit. Um, In moments of extreme stress, you fall back on the habits. You fall back on your training. And experiences and training that you've had in your life. And, I really took that and tried to expand it to every aspect of my life. So anytime adversity struck, whether, you know, we've, we've talked about different moments of adversity, you know, being a walk on freshman on a new football team, chemotherapy, hot Fresno days, anything, whatever the adversity, homework, blah, 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 work, life struggles, anything, you name it. People through it every day. Any adversity that any person on this earth experiences, um, you handle that and you can get through it based on past experiences and quote unquote training that you've had. So once I kind of understood that, I, I, I really try to treat many aspects of my life as training. Um, and then the sense was that where, you know, I don't want you to take that too literally. No. Anytime you're going through the suck, don't think like, Oh, this is terrible. Be like, this is making me a better person. For Good. Tomorrow. Embrace the suck. Embrace the suck. This, you know, this is something they instill in, you know, the Navy SEALs heavily today is 
every second you spend, you know, could, could change your life down the road and just appreciating that and living it is something I, I try to constantly do. I actually have that quote on my, you know, tatted on you board up in my, in my room. I might, I might get it tatted on me. Um, I gave a whole speech on it senior year for a speech, a public speaking class. And no, it's, it's definitely something that football taught me. And I've tried, I've definitely brought over to the rest of my life. You keep it as a core. Mm -hmm. Do you mention the Navy SEALs? I mean, I was talking on, on, on a a few episodes and, or I've, I've been reading some books lately. I I love the SEALs. Mm -hmm. I'm the type of guy where I'm not going to say, Oh, shoulda, woulda, coulda. But if I didn't have sports in my life out of high school, I don't, and I, I don't know. I, I would love to try to be a SEAL. Mm-hmm. I really think I could have done it. I didn't do it, so it doesn't fucking matter. But I would love to be a SEAL. I love reading about the SEALs. Um, one of my favorite books right now is Extreme Ownership. Do you have any books that you're high on or uh, even podcasts, mentors, guys that football's over your experiences the strength and conditioning coaches of Fres- of uh, Stanford I'm sorry are over you're in real business you're you networked through your all your different avenues and now you still have to um, kind of keep yourself checked you have to check yourself before you wreck yourself every once in a while what do you what's something that's kind of spoken out to you between you know mentors books uh, podcasts that you you'd recommend to our viewers? Yeah, you know, I'll start off by saying um, a lot of what team building, team bonding, things we experience on the football field in, you know, a team setting is drawn from the military. The uh, We've both referenced the SEALs a couple times. They get a lot of publicity. Shout out to anyone in any form of the military. They've gone through God so much. America, and, of course. Of course, yeah. But like, you know, these these lessons permeate through multiple branches and areas of the military. But what I will say is, um, yeah, the, the, the networking aspect of life is real. I'll say it again, burn no bridges unless they absolutely have to be burned. Um, too many people you meet nowadays almost burn bridges for fun or, you know, like to be that kind of like agitator or that, I'll be you that know, guy. Abrasive person. There's no need. It only makes life harder, longer, and less fulfilling in almost every way. But specifically right now, I'm going to give you a couple book recs. I, you know, I had the, I was privy to the early podcast episodes, heard this question be asked. So I came with a few books that I, that I want to talk about. But in general, um, you know, you touched on this with George, you're getting better or you're getting worse. You're never staying Every the day. same. So life should be about, you know, breaking through and kind of expanding your horizons little chunks at a time. It sounds like a lot. It sounds like things you have to be doing all the time, but it can be just little habits. You know, I'm going to rip another quote. Winning is a habit. You are the summary of everything you do every single day, every little thing you do every day. That's what describes you. So winning is a habit, but unfortunately so is losing. So it it just tells you that anything you do can be a winning habit or a losing habit. But as far as specific books that I would recommend, I have a, you know, I have like two different categories. I have 
you know, the kind of self-help book that you read to kind of level yourself up, you know, getting, getting better type of book. Um, and the and, one I would recommend was actually, I took a couple finance finance class at Stanford. One of them, you know, finance and society, a very, you know, realistic, you know, applicable finance class, which I loved. It was actually in the graduate school of business that they allowed undergrads to take. Um, we read in a couple chapters of this book called rich dad, poor dad by Robert yep. Kiyosaki. Have you read that book? I have read that book. It's a, I, I mean, it, it's going to be on the pod here pretty soon as one of the best books I think ever. I think if you are, I don't care any age. I told my mom to read it two weeks ago. You should read it in high school. Yeah. You should, you should read, read it, it in high school. Yeah. In high school. Freshman year of college. Mm-hmm. Freshman year of college. Once you kind of understand that, Hey shit, I only got a budget to live off of. Whether it be your parents' budget, your budget, some other guy's budget, a scholarship budget. Shit. You better learn how to spend money and when to do it and not to do it. And that is that guy. He gets it. Sh- I it's a great launching pad. It's oh a great launching God. pad to get you into like personal finance, financial security, personal wealth, kind of the the game that is personal wealth and finance and it's a money game from from you know a you know a first generation immigrant in America to hugely successful it's an awesome story um awesome book and you know very applicable and easy to read and is it's not too long of a book yeah it's a great launching pad for getting yourself into like financial literacy um, highly recommend. Um, but I will say that not all the reading that you do should and has to be this kind of self self help no um, type of book. I will say any sort of reading that you can do is good for you. Um, right. I mean, it came up in multiple classes I took: high school, Stanford, yada 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 things I've read. But just the act of reading and like reading a hardback book. Like yeah. a physical copy of a book. I like hardback. Just helps your, yeah, just kind of helps your mind connect thoughts and you're formulate, for sure, formulate ideas very well. When so we talk about you, either read getting, anything you're, you can. you're either getting better or you're getting worse. If you're reading books, you are not getting worse. Yeah. If you say, oh, I'm going to read a book or I'm not going to read a book, that's either me getting better or getting worse. Reading a book option is not you getting worse. If it's anything that's relevant towards, you know, any. Per, realistically anything. I mean, I, like I said on the pod earlier, like I didn't read a book for a very long time. I got on this reading book high all of a sudden where shit, I need to better myself. And I'm looking at books. I want recommendations from my guests for books. And there's the obvious. And there's some things where like, damn, I've never heard of that one. Like I, I, I kind of want to look into that, which I have a few, you have a few, we all have a few. Eventually that's one of the points of this podcast is we're building off of each other. And we, I mean, iron sharpens iron at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so, so like the other, the other side of that coin, um, rich dad, poor dad, and then old man's war series, which is by John Scalzi. What's that about? It's a sci-fi, um, you know, starship troopers esque space balls esque book series that they're actually turning into a Netflix show or movie trilogy or some sort of Netflix deal, but, um, highly recommend that if you're not in, or you're in between self-help or like, 
you know, financial literacy-esque books. If you want just right. like a fun read, you're in a sci-fi. If you're just looking for a good time. I've re- reread them twice before I reread Lord of the Rings ahead of the Amazon Prime Lord this of the Rings This is your inner for coming show. out. Yeah, I'm a nerd. Nerds. You know, I'm a nerd. I'm proud of when it. When I nerd. did watch Game of Thrones for the first time. Nerds are cool. Beecher was like, you need to watch the the YouTube prequel of the prequel. And he guided me and, you know, I'm learning about Khaleesi and all this shit. Well, you can't, yeah, you fired up (laughs) off it. I'm like, I told Frank, I told Frank, you can't truly appreciate game of Thrones. If you don't understand Robert Baratheon's (laughs) rebellion beforehand. So I, I made him do his research. Um, I had a written test. Yeah. He had a test. He did well. And then he loved the show. No, I loved it. So, Okay, you, you got your networking experience. You got all that. I'm going to finish with this. What's your game plan going forward? You went to Stanford. You're probably the most, you know, intelligent guy we've had on the show so far, per se. Are you... There's no one, way that's Once true. you get this networking, once you start collecting, quote unquote, the bag, you start, you got a little bit of a wallet. Do you have a direction from the, whether it be your family's experiences, your books, your podcasts, where you're like, you know what? Once I have a little bit of money put away, I want to buy this or invest in this, or I think this is going to hit. What's your direction on that? I will say like right now, my goals aren't super monetary or physical or anything like that. Right now, I just, I want to be getting better at what I do in the sense that I'm constantly learning and getting better. I think your early 20s, you should be trying to grow as much as humanly possible. Um, you shouldn't be complacent in any area of your life. I don't think that I, I don't really have those specific goals. Um, you asked about things I'm interested in, you know, what I will say is you can, you know, George said the same thing in his episode, but you can learn about anything that you want. Um, there's not just like one magic magic area you should focus on. You know, I, I did, I drink the crypto Kool-Aid. My dad made some money off Bitcoin. Um, I've dabbled into crypto a little bit. Um, you know, it's something that like anything before you do it, you should research. I'm what I'm big into right now. Cause you're acting. I, I know you want some specifics. I have been playing around a little bit with, kind of reactionary markets around stock prices. So for example, some hit article about some exec that does something bad, stock prices takes a dip. Is that a is that a reaction of them just seeing that bad news? Or is it really a representation of the value and you know the work of the company or what people value it as it? So I, what I, I'm trying to do is I'm trying to go against those reactionary changes in stock price and whatnot, those, you know, those kind of like gut feeling changes to a stock versus, um, more con, you know, and kind of relying more on concrete metrics to, you know, try to to find an edge. Yeah. I mean, one of the reasons for this podcast is to iron sharpens iron. I want to learn from the people that come on the pod, what they're doing to get better. And I want to take something from it, implement it and put it part of my life. I know George and Kyle touched on this a little bit, so I don't want to hit it too much, but like, don't be afraid to be that person that asks too many questions or, you know, seeks out as much advice as possible because the more 
perspectives and don't be like, don't, you don't have to challenge everyone. This is one thing I've seen too much lately is if you have a differing perspective from someone, like try to learn more from that perspective. Don't always just challenge it right away. Beach, well said, well said. We are out of time today. I want to wrap this up. Beach, what a dog from Stanford, from five, the 559 of Old Fig to Stanford as a walk-on, kicking cancer's ass, going back to Stanny, killing it, being put on Scully, all the good shit, shaking hands, kissing babies, going through the ringer, getting to see what it is, networking. Now you're on top, reading, bettering yourself, taking those implements from college football and making it to where you're beneficial towards your life itself. I I applaud you. I'm, I'm proud to be your friend. And we'll see you next week. Bring the juice. Episode three, Ryan Beecher. Listen, team. Juice Nation. Don't forget, this week, get your piss hot. Let's have some fun. And let's bring the juice, baby.